I'm Josh Escovito of Weintraub Tobin. And I'm Scott Hervey of Weintraub Tobin. Welcome to another installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. With the prevalence of social media in today's society, we see more and more new issues in the intellectual property context. Josh, I believe you want to discuss one of those today. I do. I want to talk about embedding and a recent ruling coming out of the Southern District of New York, finding that embedding is not per se fair use. To start, let's talk about what embedding is. Embedding or inline linking is a type of linking that allows a third party to take a social media image from a social media account and have it directly appear on the third party's website while truly remaining on the social media platform's server. Consider, for example, when a media outlet takes a photo from a celebrity's social media account and includes it in the middle of their article. That's embedding. While this may cause us intellectual property gurus to cringe at the potential for infringement, social media platforms like Instagram and Twitter have made embedding their users' posts very easy to do. It's really just a matter of a few clicks. Fortunately or unfortunately, digital media companies have apparently taken this action as an invitation to embed photos with or without credit or permission. Yeah, and it does present some interesting scenarios. Uh, recent court rulings have cautioned parties that the use of embedding tools uh, could give rise to copyright infringement liability. Instagram even came out and made a statement that, you know, in accordance with our platform policies, we ask that people gain all necessary rights from others before sharing their content. Right. And for years, website owners believed that they could legally embed photos under a principle adopted by the Ninth Circuit known as the server test. The server test held that as long as content is hosted on a third party server, a link presenting the material elsewhere does not infringe copyrights. But that was called into question in 2017 when a federal court in New York held that Breitbart and other websites could be held liable for embedding a tweet that featured a copyrighted image of Tom Brady. Of course, the websites in question responded by citing the server test and arguing that they had merely linked to a photo stored on Twitter's network. But the court was unconvinced. The court said that copyright infringement should not hinge on invisible technical processes imperceptible to the viewer. The judge went on to say that when defendants caused the embedded tweet to appear on their website, their actions violated plaintiff's exclusive display right. The court also said that the fact that the image was hosted on a server owned and operated by an unrelated third party does not shield them from this result. This case later settled without a final ruling from the Second Circuit, but it showed everyone that embedding is not free from risk. Right, Josh. And other cases came up just last year in 2020, including actions against Newsweek and Mashable for their use of embedded social media posts or images. In those actions, the court said that it wasn't clear that the social media platform's embedding policy gave the websites, Newsweek or Mashable, a license to repost the relevant images without the consent of the creator. And as I said earlier, Instagram has since expressly rejected the idea that its embedding functionality creates an automatic license for third parties or grants Instagram a license which it may sub-license to third parties. And recently, the Southern District struck another blow to the unlicensed embedding process. In Hunley versus BuzzFeed, multiple photographers sued BuzzFeed for embedding their photos from the front lines of the George 
Floyd protests in May and June of 2020 in an online post titled 17 Powerful Pictures of the Protest Through the Eyes of Black Photographers. According to the photographers, BuzzFeed did not license the content and had actually admitted its failure to obtain their consent to display the photographs. BuzzFeed, of course, moved to dismiss on the basis of fair use. And I'm sure I can guess how the court addressed BuzzFeed's motion. You probably could guess, Scott, and the court denied the motion. It recognized that the heart of the fair use inquiry is the purpose and character of the use, which concerns the transformative nature of the work. BuzzFeed argued that its use of the photos was transformative, even though the photos were embedded without any modification whatsoever. It even included a quote from the BuzzFeed editor stating, I want to make sure the stories of my fellow Black brothers and sisters are accurately represented. The article stated that its purpose was to bring together a collection of 17 Black photojournalists to provide their, quote, raw and unfiltered perspectives of those events as they unfold in real time, end quote. The court held that the alleged use was not transformative because the post fails to alter the photographs with new expression, meaning, or message. The court said that BuzzFeed merely used the photographs to identify the photojournalists, and it made no modification to the copyrighted material after embedding the photos. The court also recognized that the post itself does not go beyond simply collecting photos and the names of the photojournalists. The post itself does not provide any altered expression or meaning to the allegedly infringed work beyond that for which it was originally created by the copyright holders. Considering these findings, the court found that the first factor weighed against BuzzFeed, and BuzzFeed, interestingly enough, failed to address the other three mandatory factors, so the motion was denied. I mean, it seems like a really weak fair use defense, and it certainly doesn't help uh, that they failed to argue the other three factors, which are required by law to be addressed in a motion to dismiss. I think BuzzFeed, I, it seems that BuzzFeed might have been a little... I don't want to cast aspersions here, but it seems they might have been a little lazy because I could think of ways to make those 17 photographs fall under the fair use uh, test. All they needed to do was add some you know, critical analysis of the photographs themselves and a little discussion of what was happening at the time that the photographer took those photos and they probably would have been protected by fair use. Yeah, I think that's a fair argument, Scott. And I think that's that's certainly something that uh, BuzzFeed could have been able to put forth had it written and structured its article differently. But, you know, based upon the court's analysis and, and the way the article was actually structured, it seemed like BuzzFeed almost dug its own grave by making very clear that it intended to simply share the images as they were taken by the photojournalist, which by all means it's noble, but if you're going to engage in a noble act, at least get permission before you do so. Oh, for sure. That's a really good point. It's an interesting case though, and we'll definitely want to follow how this body of law continues to develop. Thanks for sharing, Josh. Thank you, Scott. I hope you enjoyed this installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and to our podcast. And if you want more content, please visit our blog at theiplawblog.com.